This podcast is shareable. I'm going to go ahead on a limb and say this either is or will become your favorite podcast. This is shareable. The show that's so good, you got to tell someone about it. Every episode, we explore the impact of people and technology on our lives and careers, and we send you away with something shareable. Now, without further ado, let's get to it. Today on Shareable, the author of a book you've definitely heard of. It's, uh, it's a good one. So my guest today is Bob Berg. He's a sought-after speaker at company leadership and sales conferences, where he shares the platform with everyone from today's business leaders and broadcast personalities to even, believe it or not, a former U.S. president. Bob is the author of a number of different books on sales and marketing and influence, with total book sales well over a million copies. But it's his book, The Go-Giver, which he co-authored with uh, John David Mann, that itself has sold over 850,000 copies, has been translated into 21 languages, and is going to be the topic of today's discussion, among other things. Uh, he and John have actually released a new parable in the Go-Giver series. It's called The Go-Giver Influence. Strongly recommend you go and check that one out as well. Uh, Bob is an advocate and supporter and defender of the free enterprise system. And what we mean by that is that he believes that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. He is also an unapologetic animal fanatic and is a past member of the board of directors of Furry Friends Adoption Clinic and Ranch in his hometown of Jupiter, Florida. I bring you Bob Berg, the go-giver. Welcome back to Shareable. Uh, here I am with Bob Berg. Bob, welcome to Shareable. It is great to be with you. Thanks so much. I'm super glad to uh, have you on the show. I'm glad we, we got a little bit of a chance to just chat before we got on. But um, for the listeners, what I was saying to Bob was that uh, Bob's book is actually uh, among the most recommended books to me. Uh, and, I, and I think that says as much about me as it says about your book, hopefully. Um, but The, the Go-Giver is a book that multitudes, throngs of people have been telling me to read and said that I would really, I would really dig it. So I'm super glad to have you on the show. Super glad that we get a chance to talk through some of the ideas here. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm deeply honored to know that. Thank you. Yeah. So one thing I definitely want to make sure that I do here, and I haven't, uh, I haven't listened to all of the interviews of you talking about this all over the, the web, but one thing I definitely want to make sure I'm doing is not rehashing uh, well-worn territory and just going through the book with you. I really want to dig deep into some of the concepts that are in there. And specifically, I want to talk to you about what inspired this book, um, among other things. Yeah, and that's fine because, you know, I tend to be one of these people I repeat myself a lot, right? You know, you heard me once, you heard me, a, you know, a dozen times. So, so good. We'll take this in a, another direction. Yeah, awesome. So, <laughs> right, I want to start out uh, at the top. Uh, it's a question that I ask all of my guests because I find that it gives me a really great insight into who they are. And uh, I'm a huge fan of comic books and superheroes. So, my first question to you, just to get to know you a little better, is if you could have any one superpower, what would it be? Anyone's superpower? I think my my one, if you, if you want to call it a, a superpower, although I, I don't necessarily think of it that way, but if you want to go that direction, I'd say it's my sense of empathy. Okay. I have a very, very, I think, natural, but also very well-developed sense of empathy. And so it allows me to really be able to feel to, to 
feel what that other person's feeling and be able to really get to get on their level in order to, to work through a situation. Got it. So that's the superpower you have. What's yeah. the superpower you'd want? An additional one. Something you could add to it with your superior powers of empathy. And you're talking about something beside x-ray vision. It, if x-ray vision is the first one that comes to your mind, I think that that could be the answer. But is, is that your final answer? No, it, it, it isn't. I, I think really what it would be is I would love to have the superpower that I, I see quite a few people that you and I both know seem to have. And that is just an, an immense sense of intelligence to be able to really just hear something and, and totally get it totally understand it and be able to to work within it. See, I think this connects, by the way, with my empathy superpower, if you will. And that is because I am not a quick learner. In fact, I'm, a, I'm actually a very slow learner, which people are surprised to hear, but it's only because I have to work very hard at understanding an idea. Now, once I do, once I get it, I pretty much have it and I'm able to systemize things, which I think is almost my defense mechanism for making up for what I don't grasp onto. And, and then I sort of then assume people are as slow on the uptake as I am, which they're usual not, usually not. But because I assume that and go from that premise, I tend to be a good teacher, if you know what I mean. So it's sort of that lack of, of, of uh, uh, intuitive smarts that helps me be a better teacher. It's the beginner's mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Well, uh, I want to quickly set up the, the question that I'm about to ask by, um, for those that haven't surprisingly at this point, the, the way I even introduced you was, uh, I'm just assuming that everyone has heard of your book at this point, just because my experience of, of the go-giver is that when I first heard about it, it suddenly became, it was suddenly everywhere in my world. And, I, and I'm assuming a lot of the people who have, uh, that are listening to my show, are in the same kind of boat. But for those that haven't heard about it, I want to give just kind of a, a, a kind of a high level overview of it. And just from the title alone, you can kind of get the sense that it's about the ideas of giving. There's the Adam Grant book, Givers and Takers. There's, uh, you know, the, I like how you even set up in the beginning of the book, you talk about go-getters and then you move it into go-givers. Can you give us just kind of like, what, which, how do you pitch the book? Like, what's your quick summary so people who are listening would understand what it's about? Yeah, so there are actually a few points within that. One is, you know, the basic premise is, and it's a, it's a story, it's a uh, parable that was co-authored with John David Mann. And John is the real storyteller. I mean, he says, uh, you know, I'm a how-to guy. I'm step one, step two, step three. John is a magnificent storyteller. So that's what really made it sing. So it's a short, brief parable. It's, you know, about a young up-and-coming, aggressive, not good guy named Joe, but he sort of has his priorities, his focus wrong. He's very focused on himself and making it all about him. And, and he kind of learns that shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, uh, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others and understanding that not only is that a, a pleasant way of conducting business, uh, but it's the most financially profitable ways too, as well. You know, it's not a touchy-feely type of thing. It's, it's very much in alignment with human nature and, and principles of success. Uh, when you talk about go-getter, the, the interesting thing is, is yeah, we do that kind of right away. But you know what I wish we explained more, which we didn't, we did it in the next book, Go-Givers Sell More, but we, I think we should have done it in this book, is, you know, we love go-getters because go-getters take action. 
you know, we can have the nicest ideas, best thoughts, greatest intent, but without action, nothing's going to happen. So we love go-getters. Uh, the opposite of a go-giver is actually not a go-getter. The opposite of a go-giver is a go-taker. And, you know, and of course, Adam uh, Grant, who you mentioned, who wrote the fantastic book, Give and Take, he really, you know, took that whole thing to a very deep level. I mean, it's a book I recommend all the time. If somebody really wants to know, uh, you know, what the go-giver is about, in a sense, they should read Adam's book and they'll know everything about what, you know, but, but so what we say is, you know, the opposite of a go-giver is a go-taker as opposed to a go So we say be a go-getter and a go-giver. Uh, just don't be a go taker. And so I, you know, I think that's really important. And, and again, if there's one regret I have about the book, it's that we didn't uh, have Gus kind of make that point as well. Well, there's definitely no apologies necessary for the book. It's a great story. I, and I, you know, I'm really personally struck by how few business books are out there, how many self-improvement books that are out there that are told in parable or story format, which I think is actually one of the reasons why your book was such an enjoyable read as well as an informative read, is that it's it was a joy to kind of go through hearing it told in that way. Now, by contrast, one of the kind of uh, the, the um, challenges of writing a book in that format by telling a kind of a fictional story is that you you naturally get the the uh, kind of response from the reader who might go, oh, well, you know, this is just a story and yada, yada, yada. Right. But I think what you kind of talked about is, is if you pair this with, with Adam's uh, givers and takers, it's sort of like you have the story and the science blended together. And I know that a lot of your work goes into talking more specifically about real world examples, not just stories about how these things work. Right. And yeah, and I mean, this was the first book I was involved in that was a uh, story because most of my books have been how-to books. Um, and, you know, that, that's much more natural for me. But what's interesting with The Go-Giver, many of the incidents that occurred in the book were actual incidents that happened with, with me or with John and, and so forth. So what we did is we put them in story form. Uh, but there were, you know, a lot of real incidents. Now, the story itself was totally made up. Yep. Uh, you know, there, there really is no Rachel's famous coffee, but, uh, you know, but, 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 but a lot of what we talked about were things that actually did happen. Yeah. Yeah. I dig that. Well, I want to, I want to kind of take you back, uh, long before the book was ever written. And sure. what I want to know about is, um, you know, obviously this, this book was a joint effort between you and John. Let's talk about, the influences that allowed you to even think about these sort of things. Mm -hmm. I want to know about how you came to this point in your career. Specifically, can you talk to me a little bit about when you think about the go-giver and you think about your career and your history, your family, your friends, when you think about the go-giver, who's the person that to you inspires the idea of the go-giver? Where did this idea originate in your history? Well, yeah, I was very, very fortunate to be born to a couple of great parents. So, uh, you know, I think they have always, uh, and they both grew up very poor, but uh, entrepreneurial and, and had a successful business. And, and they always, to me, they were both the very embodiment of what it means to be a go-giver. That's not a word or a term that I would have thought at the time or what have you, but I always saw it growing up. So that was a great example for me. Uh, I think as I, I got up and grew up and got into the business world itself, I think I saw some kind of lousy examples of people who 
you know, kind of seemed to have a modicum of success. And, and I thought, well, maybe there's, you know, maybe that's not the best way to do it. Maybe there's this, but I, fortunately I found out that, you know, in, in seeing that there are many more good examples and there are bad examples when it comes to, uh, when it comes to business. And I, I was able to kind of get back to my roots and get back to where I should be. But yeah, I, you know, I look at, at everything my folks have always stood for and, and, and John feels the same way about his parents as well. And so I think that was really helpful in, in having that basic um, context for, for living life. Yeah, when, we, when I talk, you know, all the different guests that I talk to, it's so interesting how many of them come back to parents and, and the yeah. amazing impact that has. I think in particular with your topic about just the way of approaching life from a giving perspective, it's interesting because you know, you could grow up in any kind of a household and that is your reality until you step out into the world. And I right. think what's interesting is, is that in, not in spite of, but I guess even though that was your upbringing, when you got out into the world, you saw examples of that playing out in a way that kind of confirmed to you that that's a, a way of approaching your life and business yeah. successful. Can you talk to me a little bit about maybe some, uh, some people that you've encountered throughout your life that have inspired you to say, you know what, that does confirm what mom and dad kind of brought to my world. You know, this is a person who is a giver and they're succeeding in their life because I, I think one of the things that you rightly call out in the book, and I think this is probably among the smartest things that you guys did when you wrote the book, is that you called out that natural resistance to this idea that doesn't it sound counterintuitive to be giving more away than you get in. Like that sounds like a recipe for people taking advantage of you. And Joe brings that up time and time again to, you know, to, uh, to, to Pindar. And how, how have you seen that play out in a way that confirms that, that that really is the case at times? Yeah. And you know, what's interesting and, and I, I'm not sure and, and forgive me for, for being literal uh, if, if, if you don't mind. Um, I don't think it's that you, give away more than you bring in. Cause I think if you did that, you'd have a net loss. <laughs> yeah. I think it's that the focus is on bringing value to others and you bring in value without attachment. Okay. You, 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 you give, you give value. And, and as, as uh, Pindar says, you, you give because it's who you are. It's not a strategy. It's a way of life. It's who you are because it's who you are. It's what you do. But what you're doing is as you're, you're giving, and you're bringing value to people's life constantly and consistently without the attachment to the return, knowing full well that the laws of life work, that when you bring value to others, people tend to feel good about you. They begin to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to be a part of your life. They want to be, and it just, you know, it works so that it, it really does um, raise the, you know, rise the tide for all, for all boats. Uh, it's again, it's just very, it's very natural. And yet it seems counterintuitive because the messages we get when we watch, whether it's the news or, or maybe in school, or maybe we've, you know, seen people who've said, or, well, let's put it this way. You know, we know that with media, they're always looking for stories that are going to sell, that are going to be attractive. They're going to. And so here's a, a headline you never see. Um, Corporate CEO treats people well. <laughs> you know, yeah. I hear they workshopped that one. It didn't, it didn't test well, right? But you will hear about the Enrons. You'll hear about the Tycos. You'll hear about the, you know, because again, it's sexier. It's more, and when I was a kid, J.R. Ewing of Dallas was the big, you know, the villain everyone loved to hate, but that was supposed to be the embodiment of, 
you know, the, the way business is done by cheating others. Well, you know, there's all sorts of people in the world. Okay. And so, so does it ever happen? Of course it does. But by and large in the free market based economies of North America. Uh, and when I say free market, I simply mean known as forced to do business with anyone else. Okay. By and large, the only way you can ever really create wealth, if you will, or, or create a good business, a sustainably profitable business, is by focusing on bringing value to others. Otherwise, people aren't going to do business with you. And so, you know, to, so to me, if you look at it that way, it makes total sense, but, it, but that's not the message we usually get. So, yeah, I mean, we wanted to make that point that, yeah, it kind of, so, so let's go back to your question. Who's someone who kind of, uh, you know, other than my family, who I learned from that this is the way it's done. Well, I remember being in, I was about two years into my sales career and I was doing pretty well because I'd studied sales. I was doing, you know, but I, I was sort of like Joe in that I wasn't near reaching my potential. And I remember coming back to the office one day and I was really disgusted at myself. I was disgusted at my, my prospect for not understanding why this would be so good for, you know, right. And, and I, there was a guy there, an older guy, he wasn't even in sales, but very, very successful man. And he, he, I think he saw the potential in me and he said, Berg, can I, can I give you some advice? And, and I said, yeah, please do. And what he said made a huge difference for me. He said, Berg, if you want to make a lot of money in business, actually, he said, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Your target is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, you'll get a reward and that reward will come in the form of money. But never forget, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It ain't the target itself. Your target is serving others. And that was a wow experience for me. Why do you think we have such a hard time kind of on a, on a more macro level mm -hmm. understanding that? Cause when you, everything you just said sounds so very practical, right? That, that if you provide value to other people, they're going to want to do work with you. If you rip them off, they're not going to want to work with you. And like all of this sounds so obvious when you say it like that, but at the same time, we struggle with it in business time and time again. There are so many who are trying to get one over on somebody else and they're so invested in their own success and they're not thinking outwardly. Why is that? that you, why do you think that we have to continually struggle against this and reinforce this seemingly obvious lesson? It, I, I really think, Jeff, that it's, it, it's a matter of that's who we hear about and that's what we hear about. Uh, the stories about a person just bringing immense value to others and sustainably having a very profitable business where their employees feel great about themselves and love serving their customers and blah, 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 which doesn't mean it's perfect, but, but it, that it's a hell of, it's not sexy. There's no story there. Nothing to see here. Move along. Right. No conflict, really. Huh? No conflict, really. I mean, no conflict. exactly. Lacks tension. It's nice. Yeah. So what does every story have? What does every movie have? What is every, right? The conflict, that's what sells. And, and uh, you know, it's, hey, it's unfortunate that that's how it is, but, you know, that, that's also part of life. Yeah. That, and that's why John and I wrote the book. And, and we wanted people to come. We felt the, the marketplace was ready for that message.
I want to talk about that. So your background is marketing, sales, influence. That's where prior to even uh, getting into GoGiver, you worked in sales, you talk about sales. That's kind of your thing. At yeah. what point did this, me- has this methodology of giving been, I mean, I know you had that experience where, you know, you, you learned that lesson about what to focus on and hitting the target, but at, at kind of what point did your, um, your message evolve into this giving philosophy as opposed to kind of the how-to that you mentioned is kind of more your thing at the, at the earlier part of yeah. your Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I started out as a broadcaster, first in radio and then in television, in very small market uh, TV in, in Midwestern United States. I, I was like the worst newscaster you've ever seen in, in your life. And it wasn't long before I was out of you know, I was out of news. And that's when I graduated, I like to say, into sales. And that's where kind of that all started. And then once I was in it a couple of years and I had that real eye-opening experience with that older, what we call a drive-by mentor, right? Because I, I hadn't really talked to him much before or even afterwards. But that one time that he was there told me exactly what I needed to hear. And from then on, my sales took on a whole different trajectory and a whole different meaning to me. I realized that the sale was not about me and it was not about my product or service. It was about how it affected the lives of those who would choose to, you know, engage with the product or service and, and things really took off. And then people began to kind of ask me to share with them what was working. I'd work my way up to sales manager of the company and, and, and um, people were asking for my, and I was enjoying that. But I went to a seminar one day because I, you know, I love going to seminars. I love learning. And, um, and one of the speakers at the end, he was selling his uh, audio tapes. This is, by the way, Jeff, that's how long ago this was, right? I didn't say CDs or anything. No, audio tapes, cassette, cassette tapes, which I think is one step above an eight track, okay? And uh, I got the tapes. And at the end of them, he said, if you want to make some extra money selling these tapes, call our office. And they, you know, showed us how to, uh, so I did, and they showed us how to, how to speak at all these free events at civic clubs, organizations, and then sell the things out. I was having a blast. I loved it. And, um, but I started to also, you know, develop more of my own materials. And then I kind of realized, hey, you know, you can make a living from this if you approach it correctly. And that's when I joined the National Speakers Association so that I could learn the business of speaking. And, you know, that, and, and I was able to really, define what I'd be speaking about. You know what I'm saying? And really taking it and working on it and so forth. Um, so I really began to, you know, for a big part of my career, it was teaching business networking, cultivating relationships. My first book was called Endless Referrals, Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales. That was a real how-to type of, you know, step one, step two. This is how you meet people. This is how you create relationships where people know you and like you and trust you and so forth. Uh, and I, but, you know, I'd always enjoyed reading parables. Um, like you said, there's not as many out there as we'd like. But, you know, the ones I'd read, I, I always loved because I think stories, and, and, you know, you and I both know this and, and everyone listening, you know, stories connect on a whole different level. They go heart to heart rather than head to head. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we could sort of take the premise from endless referrals that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust, which has sort of been my mantra for the, for 30 years, uh, and put it into a story. And, but I also knew that, uh, writing a story, it wasn't that it was outside my comfort zone. It was outside my strength zone. 
Okay. And uh, so I, so John, who at the time was the editor in chief of a magazine I used to write for, and I knew he, he was known to a very small group of people. Now you go into a, a, a bookstore and he's either ghostwritten or is the co-author of a number of New York Times bestsellers. But back then, few people outside of a specific niche knew John and his brilliance. Well, fortunately, I was one of them. And so I asked John, and when I say ask, I mean, I pleaded with John to be the co-author and, and lead storyteller. And, uh, you know, so that's how we sort of took the idea. That's really, really cool. And I, you know, I was, uh, it's interesting how things kind of just coincidentally happen, but I, I'm, um, I'm listening to Adam Grant's audiobook called Power Moves. And, and I just got to a part where he said, uh, he mentioned how human beings will remember stories or statistics at like some alarmingly higher rate. So when you get up and you give a presentation, you give statistics versus you give stories. Uh, you have a much higher likelihood that people are going to walk away and remember. I think it was something like 40 to 70%. I forget what the mm. number was. But what's interesting about that is that, um, you know, you write this book on a topic that I think could very well have been written as a, you know, business book and you wrote it as a story. And I think that that choice was uh, exceptionally smart because I think people will probably remember it better in story form. And I think just as evidence from, you know, at the beginning of the book, all of the, all of the people that kind of gave feedback for it and the things that they said about it, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, the choice to make it as a story was a really, really smart move. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I want to ask you a little bit about, um, I want to dig into the principles of go-giving and talk a little bit how that, um, uh, over time has developed, especially as we get into the present moment where technology is such an important part of our lives, you yeah. know, building relationships, you know, you wrote a book on networking that the, the potential tactics you would recommend to people over that, maybe not the strategy, but the tactics have changed so much probably because of the advent of text messaging and, um, you know, social networking and all of these different sort of things. When you look at the opportunities that are presented today to somebody who wants to be a go-giver that wants to go and provide value how do you see technology playing a role in that? How would you advise people and how has it changed from maybe what you might have said about go-giving, say, 15, 20 years ago? Well, I think technology itself um, has given us the opportunity to, to connect, to reach out first, uh, when I say connect, even on a surface level, connect with people we never would have been able to without that technology. You know, when you think about it, the old days, how did you meet people? Phone calls, phone calls, phone calls, letters, this and that, you know, and you tried to do whatever you could. You could only meet a certain amount of people. Now, because of the power of, of social media platforms and, you know, all the different, you can, you can actually reach out and, and meet a lot more people. This provides us with the opportunity to then connect on a deeper level. Because I, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop with who you've said hi to, or connected with, or who's following you, or you're following them, or or what have you. And I, I think sometimes people do confuse that and think, well, if I've got X number of people on my list, or X number of people that are following, or whatever, that that's that's a start. That's not. But that's not. You know, I I think what remains the same, Jeff, is that we still before we tweet or post or pin or whatever the different terminology might be, depending upon the, the medium itself, the platform itself, I think we always need to ask ourselves a question. Is what I'm about to, before I hit send, is what I'm about to send going to bring value to that person? If it's an individual or if you're posting an article or if you're posting or a comment, is it going to bring value to those who are going to be seeing it or listening to it or watching it? I think that's always the first question. 
And, and if we keep that in mind, then it really becomes the same thing as it always was. It's just that we have a, a situation, a context where we can reach out and, and, and share that value with so many more people. Yeah, I, I, and I agree with you 100%. There's so many different ways that that can take shape. It could be the things that you write. It could be the podcast that you do. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why I do this podcast is I, you know, for one, I, I get an immense amount of value myself. I'm being a, a go taker here in the sense that just being able to talk to amazing guests like yourself and all the others that, that I've had on the show, I get so much value out of that. But I feel like making these, these conversations public to uh, people to be able to download and listen to, you know, the hope is that it's providing an immense amount of value to them to learn um, from from uh, from brilliant people. I had a guest on recently that um, I think is a mutual friend of ours, uh, Tom Singer. Uh, who, oh, who during, I love Tom. He's he great. great. He said the most, he said this awesome, I named the episode after it, uh, but he said success leaves clues. And I, he, I don't think it's his trademark term or anything, but he, you know, he said he probably got it from somewhere. But I think there's so much value in the idea that learning from other people and applying those ideas to your life can can really make a huge difference. And I see technology as being able to give us all platforms to be able to do that in a, such oh, a yeah. way. You know, I love it. Well, yeah. um, I think you're, you know, just to, to close out on the, the go-giver topic, I think your book is is up there in that think, grow, rich, how to win oh, influence thank you. people, like that level of thing. So if I haven't emphasized enough to the people that are listening, uh, you know, I, I love books. I love reading. Uh, I love, you know, leveling up through, through stories and through information. And, and I really, you know, I just want to give you uh, my kudos on, on writing such a fabulous book. Wow. Well, thank you. Please know how much that means to me. Well, there you go. Uh, I want to ask you a few more things, though, because I know that you have an immense amount of value to contribute. So I'm going to pick your brain for a little bit more value if, if you're cool with it. And this is a section of my show I like to call shareables. Okay. And it's a place where I can ask just some, some kind of rapid fire questions of things that you can share with other people that they should go and do, go and think about, go and read, go and watch, et cetera. So uh, here we go. What's one book that every person should read? You can't say The Go-Giver. I wouldn't say The Go-Giver because to me, that's not my most valuable book. I don't learn from my own stuff. <laughs> Um, so what's the one, and, and so I know this is rapid fire, but uh, can I just say that it, that's very, very difficult for me, first, because there are so many wonderful books, that, you know, that I have a bunch of them behind you right now. That I write, yeah. So, so the reason I ask for just one is sure. that it's, it's that put you on the spot thing. It's the no, designated okay. question. And, and the one thing I like to clarify that it does not have to be business. It does not, it could be anything, any book that you believe everyone should read. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, I'm going to say it's a book by Harry Brown, B-R-O-W-N-E. It was published actually after he passed about 10 years ago that he actually wrote and never even intended to publish back in the 60s. And it's called um, the, the, the Secret of Selling Anything. But here's the interesting thing. The selling is an ancillary part of it. What the book is really about is understanding and respecting human nature. And he did an absolutely brilliant, brilliant job of sharing with us how, you know, the, the human mind works, what is the drive, you know, the, the driving element and, and that we're going to do much better by um, not trying to change people, but respect people and work within those, that environment. And it was just, to me, it was such a beautifully uh, written book. Awesome. I love getting, uh, a lot of people will say a lot of the same books. 
Um, that's one I've never heard before. I always love when we get most people haven't, and it was published by an independent public. His 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 widow Pamela actually found the two manuscripts on on his hard drive and sent them to a person who happened to know a a person in the direct response industry who actually published it privately. And uh, and I'm gonna, I'm going to send you a link to a, a blog post article I did on it, and um, and you can do with it you know what you'd like. But to me, it was just. Uh, just a fantastic book. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to put that in the show notes as well because uh, I think that that will be helpful. Uh, next question. What is one TV show or movie or YouTube uh, channel or TED Talk or some, something that people should watch? What is one thing that somebody should go and watch? Uh, I would say Randy Gage's Prosperity TV channel. Uh, Randy is a guy who is one of the foremost authorities on um, abundance. He came from a background, uh, you know, very, um, uh, very well, you know, very difficult upbringing, as as many do. Um, but and he, but his he was he was in jail on armed uh, armed robbery by the time he was seventeen years old. He went through a series of disastrous financial situations, continually sabotaged himself, and at a certain point in his life, he decided this was not for him, and he made a study of prosperity. And today, this guy is not only very, very wealthy financially, but he's very wealthy in terms of his sense of happiness and personal well-being. And, uh, you know, he's one of these guys. He calls it as he sees it. And not everybody likes everything he says, and, you know. But, but to me, he really does a fantastic uh, job on this, pro- Prosperity uh, TV. That's awesome. Excited to put that in, the, in our shareables. And just a, a quick... Um plug from me, we had a guest named Aaron Walker, who uh, is the CEO of Interview Valet. And he, oh, I love him. He's a great guy. Uh, and he was an amazing guest. I think he yes. was 14, uh, I think. Uh, it, was, it was in our season one. He was a great, and he, he told his story of how he got into this. Uh, he killed someone uh, with his car accidentally. It was an accident and how it changed his life and, and the whole story of that is a great episode. Um, what's your favorite podcast? Can't say shareable. I know you would. You would say shareable, but it, what's would. your favorite podcast? Wow, wow! I must be the worst rapid fire guest you've ever had because I, I don't. I don't say these fast, and I know I, I should. It's not the speed; it's the quality. Well, then I better really be good because I'm thinking too hard uh, for this. I'm just trying to think of some of the podcasts because I love listening to podcasts, and I get you know so much out of them. Oh goodness! I love Scott and Allison's. Oh, the Unpodcast. Yeah, yeah. I love everything they do, though, so that's almost yeah. unfair. <laughs> well, I, I envy their show because they just—I um, I love my show, obviously, but they just—it seems like their show is like they would do it even if they weren't being recorded. It sounds like they have just so much fun doing it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if I've ever listened to a show where two people have more fun on the show. And maybe that means I just need to listen to more podcasts outside of business. But for, for a fairly business-oriented podcast, they really, they have a good time there. I know. I know. They're just such good people too. It's just, you know, you. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, next question. Uh, what is the big lesson that you wished you learned earlier in your career? Okay. So this one's fairly easy. It has more to do with with what I learned as a person, because this also affected business. And that is that I really thought 
from the time I was pretty much 17, 18 years old, I really thought I had it all figured out. And there's an old saying that's attributed to Mark Twain, but he, he actually never said it, or at least he didn't originate it. But the saying itself is, it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you're absolutely positively sure you do know that just ain't so. And, it, you know, it's a, it sounds like a Twainism, but it, it, it isn't. But that was me. I absolutely, Jeff, I just thought I knew everything. I thought I knew, understood human nature. I thought I understood business. I thought I understood this and how the world worked. But I knew nothing. And not only did I not know it, I didn't know that I thought I knew everything. And, it, it, you know, it's that, that thing, you know, if you could go back and tell your, your old, younger self, you know, some piece of advice, it would be, Berg, shut up and listen. You don't know. <laughs> not only do you not have to know everything, you don't know hardly anything. And, and so that, I think, was the big thing that held me back when I, was, when I was younger until I started learning. That wasn't a good way to go about it. Yeah, I love it. That's, um, it's in line. I've had a lot of conversations in recent, uh, uh, in recent days and weeks about the Dunning-Kruger uh, effect, where it's this idea that in the beginning, you have very little experience, but you think you know everything. And then you hit this point where you very quickly realize that there's so much more to know. And then you kind of, as you gain more and more experience, you kind of get yourself back to a point where you feel like you at least know a little something, but it's still nowhere near what you thought you knew in the very, very beginning. So right. It's it's a conversation that keeps coming up at, uh, time and time again for me. Yeah. Um, what's one application, mobile, desktop, anything that it's a program that you use uh, that everyone should go and download right now? You know, I'd like <laughs> this, this sounds so basic, but you know, TweetDeck I use because it helps me. Do, you know, I'm on Twitter a lot, and uh, I find that to be a, a medium that really works well within my business, and so. Not that TweetDeck is, is necessarily, so when you say that everyone should get, I'm not sure that everyone should get that or not, but for me, it's something that has been very valuable. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, that's all this is. They're recommendations. They're things to share. Um, what's the most important skill of the future? Oh, I, I'll probably sound prejudiced here, but I think it's empathy. You know, Jeff Colvin wrote a terrific book. It's one of the best books I ever read. And the name of the book is Humans Are Underrated. And he's the editor-at-large for Fortune. He, he wrote a book called Talent is Underrated, or Talent is Overrated, excuse me, and now Humans Are Underrated. Uh, but the premise of his book was it used to be the question was, you know, what can humans do that technology can't do because that's where humans could keep the edge, right? Now he said that's no longer a question because there's pretty much nothing that humans can do that, that technology can't, okay? So that's not even the, that's not the issue. The question now is, what is it that other humans will only accept from other humans? And that, and because of this, that's why those skills that are often called soft skills, air quotes around that, because I don't think there's anything soft about soft skills, but that's where, and he says, that's going to be even more important as technology continues to, to, to uh, become you know, more and more uh, as it is, and so part of our lives. And so, so yes, I think it, it's, you know, as he said, it's empathy, it's team building, it's, it's leadership, it's all those human things that a machine, you know, maybe to a certain point can do, but that's, uh, but people don't want to be told or advised in certain areas by machines. They still want that human to human connection. 
Yeah. A again, another just reference back to Adam Grant's uh, power moves. He said, you know, it's going to be a pretty long time. Uh, I don't think he says he's interviewing people at Davos. And somebody said, it's going to be a pretty, uh, a fairly long time, if ever, that you're going to have a robot coaching a, a girl's soccer team, you know, like right. a, you know, like a youth girl's soccer team. It's just not right. going to, you're not going to be able to uh, have a robot come in and comfort your team after you lost the big sale. So there's so many yes. areas where you exactly. need that humanity to come right. in really to kind of uh, do what humanity can do. Mm -hmm. All right. Final question I have for you. This is the big one. Okay. Eric does. What is one thing that everyone listening to this episode should go and do today? Oh, I think take action on an idea that is congruent with your values. You know, I mean, I, I think really we, we know what brings us happiness. You know, I define happiness as an ongoing and genuine feeling of peace of mind, um, the result of living congruently with one's values. And yeah, I think the best thing we can do is take action that is congruent with those values. As long as we're doing that, we're always going to be happy. And when you think about it, happiness is the end Oh, you know, is, is that goal? You know, they say, well, you can't seek happiness. Well, that's okay, but do the things that are more likely to bring you happiness. And we do that by taking action on that which we value. So said in a today tense, sit down, figure out what you really value, and then take action on that today. Go do uh, something yeah, to I move it forward. Yep. Right. Uh, oh, you, you said it beautifully. Absolutely. Thank you. I try. Well, Bob, you've been an absolutely fantastic guest. I really appreciate you setting aside the time and, and coming in and giving us your time. Um, it, was, it was wonderful to sit here and speak with you. I'm glad we finally got a chance to, to talk face to face. Um, I really strongly can encourage our listeners to go and buy your book uh, strongly enough. Um, if I had to say anything about this conversation, I would say that we, we really got into some great territory. It was really valuable. But if I had to sum it up in one word, I guess I would say it's shareable. Wait, the show's not over yet. I have some important announcements. If you made it this far, you're clearly a dedicated fan or you're in the middle of vacuuming and just haven't hit stop on your podcasting app. Whatever the case, we want to thank you. We're not just music to your ears, we're music to your inbox. If you subscribe to our email list at sharablepodcast.com slash subscribe, not only will you get access to our private Facebook group, you'll also get all of our blog posts, newsletters, special announcements, and more. You won't find any of that in your podcast feed. You can follow the show at shareable underscore pod on Twitter and just shareable podcast on everything else. You can find Jeff online at jeffgibber.com and you can connect with me on Twitter at Caroline Sohn because I don't have a website yet. So go ahead, call us, leave a message, subscribe to our list, leave a rating, review us on iTunes, tell a friend, tell your mom. If she's like my mom, she'll love it. And now for the thank you portion to all the folks that make this podcast possible, shout out to DJ Quads for the use of our theme song, Always, and Ahamitsu for the use of our outro song, Adventures. And a big thank you to Ray Bueno for all of that sexy production value. 